from the Dice Abide Live Studios, it's Late Night War Games with your hosts, Adam and John. Hello. Thank you, Jay, and hello, everyone. I'm Adam, occasionally known as the Dice Abide. I'm John, a.k.a. Wise Kensai. This evening, we are joined in the digital remote studio all the way from Malaysia by Calvin Wong. Yay! Hello and welcome. <laughs> hello. Sounds like you're you for a, having me. Thank you for joining us. Forests, all these wonderful birds around. It's it's amazing. Yeah, I miss bird yeah. sounds. Every time people ask me to be on a show for the US, it's always, you know, my morning, US night. And uh yeah, the birds are out. <laughs> well, fantastic. Uh gentlemen, what are you drinking this evening? Calvin, any beverages at 11 a.m., 11.30? Well, it's, a, it's 11 a.m., so water. Water will do. I love water. That is probably the best option at 11.30 a.m. I should follow that advice more frequently. Right. <laughs> John, how about you? I am doing my usual hot toddy. I've put some of that Game of Thrones-themed whiskey uh, into my hot water, and it's, it's delicious. Ooh, that sounds nice. Speaking of beers that are mostly water, I am not having one of those. I'm having a Chewbacca German style double bock. Right? I love the names. Like if if you had sell a beer with a good pun for or a bad pun, even like a vague attempt at a pun, I'll probably buy I'll probably buy it and drink it on this show. Um, but it's delicious. This isn't my first can, so I can tell you it's fantastic. That sounds great. <laughs> well, gentlemen, cheers. Cheers. Bottoms up. Oh, yeah. Still good. Just as good as the previous three cans, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, why don't you uh, take it away with some Rome Academy news? Sure. So, uh, basically, we've got... The last couple of days coming up in the month uh, for the la- for Academy Mission 31... The mission now is to take a uh, sectorial. Don't take a link, right? You can have a three-model a three model link if you really want one, but max out some kind of AVA, right? So that uh, last time we talked about Speculos and Hellcats. Um, maybe this time think about, you know, maxing out on Bogmarie if you're playing ASA, or better yet, Guarded Assalto. They're AVA 4, so you might want to think about that. Mm-hmm. It's a big brain call right there. Um, and let us know how it went, right? So just shake up your play style a little bit. Let us know how it goes. And uh, you be entered to win fabulous prizes at the end of the month. Prizes, um, prizes, 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 prizes. prizes. Uh, so other stuff that's happening, right? So if you're working on that tag, you've got a couple of uh, days left in the month. Please send it in soon. We'll judge it. And we will uh, talk about the results in April's first episode. Uh, so that's two episodes from now. Uh, and we'll also release fabulous prizes. One thing I did want to uh, announce is that... Uh, Roman Academy is partnering with War Garage, run by Rene Lara in Venezuela, and he is going to be, um, you know, opening up the community, uh, the the community to the Spanish-speaking community as well. And you know, we can uh, have as many people come in with with awesome paint jobs, and we'll have more prizes thanks to some support from Corvus Belly directly, which is pretty awesome. So more and more prizes for everybody who paints stuff. Uh, so there's a painting poll live on Facebook. Go check it out. If you have opinions about what you want to paint for the next quarter, it's probably going to be heavy infantry unless you can rustle up like 80 votes. So you can do that. <laughs> you can change it up. 
Um, so I, that's happening. I could vote 80 times. You Don't could by thing. making 79 more Facebook accounts. Sure. Um, yeah. And then we're on to uh, some concern news as well. Yeah. So Punga Miniatures just announced their wave two of their dwarf team. So this will be for next month's Patreon. Uh, it's awesome. I'm looking forward to having all these stills and I'm even more looking forward to our buddy Dan fixing his 3D printer so he can print me off another dwarf team. Yep. Um, when in doubt, is out of commission. Right. When in doubt, more dwarves. Uh, so also from Soulforge Studio, they've finally get, gotten back to starting to work on their orc fleet for Battlefleet Gothic, and they look freaking rad. Uh, I've already printed out plenty, of, or had Dan print out plenty of the brute ram ships, as well as a handful of their cruisers, and they're they're a dream to print. Um, they come pre-supported, really nice. So this just fills out the other three missing escorts, and you have all the escorts for, for your fleet. And then in other tiny small scale news, we have this is uh, from Forest Dragon, which is I think the second or third part of their Bretonnen releases for Warmaster. Mm. So this is this is kind of where I might be looking at getting my fantasy fix on. Uh, Warmaster is an old game from the mid '90s from GW, and it was really good. And it was good enough that when uh, Rick Priestley left Games Workshop, he actually just wrote new games based on the same rules. So like they're the Warlord Games uh, small-scale Civil War game is just like this version 3.0. Very nice. So really nice, uh, really nice stuff there for Patreon. You know, we we ask people to support us on Patreon, and you know, we also like to support the the people that are doing the things we appreciate. Mm-hmm. Well, when they so, get a Skaven army together, we'll have Dan print it and we can play. There's there's two people that are getting ready to launch Skaven armies, so get, nice. It's get ready for it. Uh, let's see what else. Um, we have some articles on Lumbering Sprocket, which you can go check out, written by the, the lovely fan. Uh, so please check those out and send him send him love for those. Um, yeah, that's it, I think, for the news. Well, that, that was that was our rapid-fire news section, so we don't have to bore Calvin with all of our silly little toy soldiers. Yep. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. There's a little bit more I boring. Know. I don't know. I was enjoying that. Oh, okay. I was enjoying that. I didn't understand any of it but i enjoyed it <laughs> we sounded enthusiastic and that's what matters oh yes. yeah for sure so um so for hobby i've been putting together some stuff for john is that what you have up first mm-hmm. so yeah i like building things and john doesn't so when there's something that john has that i want to play against uh i, I need to put it together for you if i want it anytime soon at least also, so, you can put together Margot and Dirac because I already have the old ones. I like them. I'll probably never do it, and you want to touch the model. So everybody I, wins. That's true. I really like that model. So we've got the yeah the Margarita Guard, which you supplied to me with a resin 60-millimeter base that I had to build out to 80 millimeters. And then the cutter with the uh, the bootleg cutter opened up with the with the Tech V mm-hmm. sitting on the shoulder. And then, of course, Margot and Dirac. Yep. And that has been... That's been most of my hobby. John, what have, you, what have you been doing for you? So you know that moment when the paint is stuck in the bottle, right? And you're like, you're just like shaking it and you're shaking it and you like squeeze really hard. And then whatever clog was there comes out and you're just like, all comes out in one go. Yes. Well, that happened to me. Uh, and I had a huge oh. pile of purple paint. So I needed to do some base coating. So I base coated a bunch of Bakunin models that I've been working on. Got, got all your purple on. Yeah, pretty much. I was like, oh, God, uh, paint's going to drag. Go, 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 paint, paint, paint. So that's that's what I did. Well done. Well, done. well the conser- or good work uh, conserving that paint. 
yeah right that's the that's the key the key thing to do is is not is not waste the paint doesn't have to look good just don't waste the paint <laughs> yeah exactly right it would be, it'd be a tragic tragedy so would you, just, right, well, did you just try to com combine tragedy and travesty because i probably... nope, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna keep going okay i like to do that. <laughs> that's what i like to do so john you yeah. got a game in i got a game in with obi uh i put a contest mental on the table for the first time versus his his tunguska in a game of uh, Armory, and it went fine. Uh, I learned that I don't know how to play a Contestamento yet, but I love Garda de Assalto, and you'll be seeing more of that from from me. Um, yeah, and I shot my own guy in the face, and he died, and it was really bad. So don't do that. <laughs> um, I got I got really cocky, and I was like, he'll probably survive this, and he did not. So, <laughs> what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? I could lose. I could lose domination of the armory by shooting my own guy in the face. Good work, John. Uh, so Obi, Obi took that home. Uh, I think you got a game against Obi too, right? Yeah. So I, I also played armory, um, where basically after getting tired of dealing with you and your uh, spotlight missile, missile bot making me sad, yep, I had to do it to Obi, uh, and it felt just as good to give as it did to receive. I don't know, but. I'll talk about it more, I think, in the next week or two when we uh, when we talk about the armory and those missions. Yeah. So if you're interested, go check out MercuryCon.net. You can see all of the things. Yeah. We'll talk. Our next next episode is about the armory. So we'll talk in detail about these games. So Calvin, this bit might be relevant. <laughs> Have you been able to uh, play any games lately? Any board What's games? Game? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Never heard of it. What do we hear about? This is a gardening podcast, right? Yes. Birds. We're talking about birds now. Oh, that's right. Ornithological. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, the answer is yes. We've managed to play um, Calico, this board game, um, which is really, really good. It is, yeah? a very, it is a very cute, very thinky, very thinky board game. <laughs> I say it uh, looks adorable. Kind of, I've seen the pictures. Adorable. This guy, yeah, yeah, but this, see, that's the thing, right? Like, we in the the gaming world have conditioned ourselves to believe that things that are adorable must be light and fluffy. No, this sure. is one of the crunchiest board games I've played in a long time. Really? Yeah, it's very it's very simple, as you can see from the photo right now. You just put you're just trying to build a quilt, mm -hmm. but every every time you place a tile, you're balancing like three or four different um possible goals for that tile right because you're trying to match the patterns you're trying to match the colors you're trying to match um you're trying to get it so that it's you are you trying to get three colors in a row are you trying to make sure that like the pattern and um mm. color fit the basic goal that you're trying to do you, you have if you're placing it in between two goals you're trying to make it fit both goals and then you're trying to you're trying to get it to um to try and attract some cats, and all the different cats have different attraction rules. Yeah, oh, you can. Oh, I see. You can play it. You can play it in a. Oh, yeah. Okay. Great. So you brought it up on the screen right here. So you see the three goal tiles. Yeah, 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 that are yeah. In this. So, the one on the left, for eight points, you get um, tree of one and tree of another one. Uh -huh. So the one on the left, you can see, has got three flower, 
three flower tiles and three oh. dot tiles. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. what that's what eight points. Because it's three of one and three of another one. A A B B B. I see. If you get if you get three of the same pattern and three of the same color. You get thirteen points. On both sides, you get thirteen points. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Goodness. Okay. Okay. Wow. So, okay. Right? Yeah. So the one the one at the top you can see, um, that means none of the same. Mm. Yeah. That's probably um, harder so, than Oh yeah. Which is so why you, I have, 10 points. you need to have so for fifteen points, you need to have one of each of the colors, there are six colors, and one of each of the patterns, there are six patterns to get the full fifteen. This reminds so, me of suburbia. Probably because of hexes. Oh yeah, it's kinda it's kinda <laughs> like suburbia, but in because suburbia is so open and so flexible, mm -hmm. like you. Uh, but this one is very closed. Like the, you're playing on that board, and that's the size of the board, and that's what you're playing on. Uh, and you only have a certain number of turns to to complete your quilt, and you have all these competing things. So if you make three in a, three colors in a row, you can see there's many places in here in which there's three colors in a row. You get a button. The buttons are worth three points. If you collect all six colors of the button, you get an extra, I believe, seven points. For the rainbow, um, but but cats are colorblind, and cats are only interested in the pattern. So each cat in the game, there will be three cats of increasing difficulty, uh, will be interested in the patterns that you. Yeah, so you have to balance all of these codes. Um, you can play it in um, the the simpler mode if you don't want to burn your brain so hard. And what that is is you just, um, I think you turn the gold tiles over so you don't play with the gold tiles and you just play with patterns and colors mm. so you remove one of the major variables um yeah that sounds like it would dramatically simplify things yes huh i think oh, the most I see, important I see these these are the starting they have oh. to be the starting tiles here the three gold tiles. yes yes i see i see mm -hmm. the most important difference is that it looks way cuter than uh than suburbia Yes, mm. also true. Yeah. <laughs> like I was looking at this right away. I'm like, oh, this is Wait, something I should get for me. Hang on, get, go to the photos of the cats. Go to the photos of the cats. Let's see, is there photos of the cats? There should be. Nope, doesn't appear to be. Uh, well, okay, fine. There's 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 uh, cat components. We just go straight to the rule book. And they're all yeah, yeah, they're all based on. If you go right to the end of the rule book, okay. that's where all the cats are. Load faster. The internet is Load waiting for us. Load faster so we can see cuties. <laughs> right. I just, I just want the internets to to work immediately. I know. This is the we live in the future. Come on. Oh, here, here they go. are. These guys. Yeah. So these are the photos of the cats that are in the game. Oh, hey, oh, Ruby's funny. from Portland, Oregon. That's where we're from. <sighs> Let's go find them. <laughs> right. Well, I may have to pick this up the next time I go by the LGS. Can we get your your cat to paw at the box of our game with the cat in it, please? Right. Well, that looks fun. I'll I'll give it a whirl with John okay. because nobody else in my house will. Uh, <laughs> right? Like it looks it it's looks really... cute. It looks cute I, enough I, like I, a puppy sucker. Hmm. Sucker what? Sorry. Oh, I say it looks cute enough like I probably sucker my wife into trying it once. Right. <laughs> How does she not play games? She doesn't. She's actually the jock in our relationship. Oh, that's nice. Um, I was going to say... <laughs> but she encourages me. Um, I, say this, I say this every time I talk about the game, and I will not stop saying it until it's, until it's either... I'm either proven right or wrong. 
but if this game is not nominated for Spill the Year, I will eat a meatball. Really? Yes. That'll be fun. Con- if, if, it come- if it's eligible, if it comes out in Germany, uh, if it came out in Germany, I'm not sure about the, you know, during the eligibility period for, for Spill the Year. Right. It's a shoe-in for Spill the Year. Like wow. Each, this, is, this is the kind of game that we're talking okay. about. Here. That's high they praise. They have a real winner on their hands. Yes, it is. I'll have to go check it out. This is like... Man. I, pre- I prefer it to Azul, like you know. Okay, okay. I played Azul. Yep, I like Azul. It sort of scratches the same part of the brain, where you're like, "Ooh, which one do I take and where do I put it?" Like, but it's got, um, it's slightly more complex than mm. Azul, um, but less mean. Azul's kind of mean sometimes. <laughs> Azul is super trolly if you play trolly. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it doesn't have. This one doesn't quite have that possibility, but uh, uh, it's still really good. And I also played this other game called uh, Under Falling Skies, which is um, based on, you know, the, the sort of retro um, Space Invaders style of thing. Ooh, but what it okay. is, is it's a, it's, a, it's a solo or technically co-op game, because all solo games can be co-op games. Sure. <laughs> we played it as a co-op game, which you are trying to stop aliens from coming and destroying your base. You're trying to shoot the aliens out of the sky. You're trying to advance your research thing. And the fun part of this game is that it's, you know, it's a, it's a solo game, so it's incredibly difficult. Um, yeah. Every, you're trying to place dice in the various rooms of the game um, to try and uh, do things, right? Like, you know, make, make energy, make science, shoot, shoot down ships. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's the... That's what the game looks like, and every for every dice you place, the enemy ships move. Uh, oh, I see. And they move, and they move the distance specified on the dice, which is bad because. Oh, okay. Oh. So it's kind of like Twilight Struggle. In that respect. Kind, kind of in that, in that the higher the number, the harder it gets for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you need the high numbers because you need the the numbers to be able yeah. to do things. Yeah. But they also. Yeah, and um, and as you can see from that picture with the the ships, the ships come down towards you, um, and and sometimes if they land on specific spots, bad things happen. So you're trying to get them not to land on specific spots, and you're trying to get them to land on the spots that let you blow them up, and you're trying to yeah. So you lose if enough ships make it to your base to destroy it. You lose if the alien mothership makes it all the that. That that's that orange thing at the top makes it all the way down to your to your base that destroys the base and you win by pushing that little green disc all the way up to the top to to max out your science points. Mm. That's the only way to win. Okay. That's pretty awesome. Really... I'm a sucker a... for components. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, there's a there's a whole there's a whole campaign. See that blurring by the way. That's um, that's not photo manipulation the demo copy that you get has blurred they just printed blurred stuff on cardboard <laughs> <laughs> like don't look here yet but like you used to setting it up yeah no but the, uh the, there's a demo copy of the game that only comes with like the start it doesn't come oh, with I that, see. like the rest of the, yeah oh that's um, that's so crazy they just like gave you the cardboard they're like you could have this cardboard with real pictures but you have to buy the real version of the game <laughs> 
Um, I mean, they, when they sent me the game, they sent me the demo copy as well. I mm-hmm. don't know why, but um, so that's why I know what the demo huh. copy looks like. Um, but they, I have the full game. And what would have what, what the blurred out cardboard is is um, it's the campaign basically. So you can play oh. through uh, an increasingly difficult campaign. You can see there's various cities as well. Mm-hmm. Um, different cities have different abilities, um, and you can play with like you know Area Fifty One or New York or in the photo there's Montreal and Mexico City. I haven't played with those yet, but it's a it's a really simple game in that you only have you know you do five things a turn, right? You place five dice. Right. In the fi- in five different uh, rooms, and you can that's all you can do. But the difficulty is like the implications of what you place and where you place and which order you place them in. Because if you go back and look, there's two colors of dice. Yeah, it was a dark, slightly ones. darker mm-hmm. one. Yeah, um, there you have five dice: three gray and two white. And every time you place a white die, you reroll all the other dice. So that's a tool. That's both a tool and a problem because oh, sometimes sure. You really need the numbers on the gray dice, uh, and you don't want to re-roll them. But you have to place this white one because it's exactly the number you need. Ah, yeah, <laughs> right. That's really. Oh, cool. this looks this looks really fun. It is. Yeah. It is, and um, especially like um, the co-op aspect because you you know you have another brain to talk it out. You know. Right. Yeah, Somebody else to help you second guess your own decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the opposite <laughs> of what we do. I don't know what you're doing, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> but th- that's, those are the those are the two board games I played in the last uh, month or two. Yeah, not not many board games getting played in this house, um, but those those two are good. Yeah, v- Vanderbain yeah. has it right. It's someone to blame. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. What was your idea? <laughs> well, well fantastic man i think that wraps up our game section which means before the main segment it's time to give away some fabulous prizes 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 prizes, prizes. yeah one day we'll get more side effects or i'll just have more family members record uh <laughs> record messages right but all right well guys here we go uh every week mythic games provides one of our lucky winners with ten dollars in credit to moe-games.com all you need to do to enter is listen live and chat in our chat thing. And our bot knows that you are present. You don't need to spam it because we don't want to get spammed. Um, and you can take that those $10 in Ruben bucks and go go watch uh, or go buy one of the games we just talked about. Of course, you know, build up your armies, buy hobby supplies, all the cool things that they sell over at MOE Games. So try it up right now. This is your last chance to, to say something. Um, and... We'll go ahead and push that button. All right. John. Here we go. Hey, it's Rhymestorm. Boop, 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 boop. There we are. Congratulations to Rhymestorm for getting $10 to Mythic Games. Yep. I'll go ahead and shoot you a message right now and tell you how to claim it. Well, gentlemen, that means it's time. It's time for our main feature. So tonight we have brought calvin on to talk with us uh, ostensibly about games but it turns out that that he has one in particular that he quite likes that have spawned this whole conversation it's a game that john also really got into and it's a game that i tried to get into (laughs) twice decades apart i mean i enjoy it i can still play it anyways we're talking about um android netrunner 
which is a LCG no longer produced, right? No yeah, no produced, longer produced yeah. by FFG. So we're cool and hipster talking about games you can't buy. And you that can... That is not technically true. <laughs> you can still buy them. There's enough art, There's enough stuff floating around. Except for the last wave? The, last, the last set is hilariously expensive. It's like, but you can still buy it. You you can still buy it. Somebody on eBay will scalp you for it. Yeah, and then of course you can play it online, which is the I think the the modern, yeah, fantastic way to enjoy it, especially given uh, social distancing and all the other joys. I I think I would be remiss if I did not bring up Project Nisei here. Project Nisei is a uh, fan run. Um, Netrunner project, which I'm part of, but I'm only doing like, you know, fiction writing for it. I'm not doing any of the card design and stuff. But Project Nisei is releasing, actively releasing new Netrunner cards. There is a set that's coming out. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is a set that's coming out at the end of the month. So in four days, at the end of March 2021. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that is a two-player starter set specifically for new players oh this is really cool it's it's pre-constructed dual decks so you just you know you open it up and it's got two it's got two decks already made for you to play with and then yeah so if you if you click on products um oh yeah this is so nice you've got this on your screen right now this is so so helpful um very slow I'm um, sorry, because you're, stre- you're streaming at the same time. So. Okay, right. Yeah. So on the screen right now, so you've got System Gateway. So System Gateway is the, the starter set. Um, and it consists of two, two things, which is the, the starter pack and the deck building pack. So the starter pack is, like I said, it's a pre-constructed dual deck. So somebody, you know, if you're just casually looking to get to Netrunner, you can get the starter pack. And when I say get, what I mean is you can order it as like, physical copies that can send it to you. You can get it as a pay what you want PDF. So you can print it out yourself if you want. Um, you can you can get it you can get it for free or you can give them a small donation. Um, yep. whatever. Right. And System Gateway consists of the, the, the deck building pack, which you don't need, and the starter pack. Sorry, let me start this again. So it consists of the starter pack, which is two decks, and then if you're just if you're just one of those people who you know casually plays the game every few months, that's fine. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. Then Gateway also comes with a deck building pack, which rounds out your, your your starter pack with some extra cards and stuff. Well, this is really really cool. Yeah, it's really awesome. Yeah. I think they use like drive through cards or something like that. There's like two competing yeah, yeah. Uh, companies that will print cards for you. So, I mean, I've been collecting the, the cards. So I have the original sets. The only thing I'm missing is the hilariously expensive last cycles. Um, so, you know, I've, I would probably just get the, the expansion stuff. Um, yeah. And but... then it, right, right below it, you see System Update 2021. So System Update 2021 is meant to be a companion to Gateway. But unlike Gateway, which is all new Netrunner cards created by Project Nisei, Update is reprints of fantasy flights cards but done by nisei and they all have new art and um some some of the rules have been updated so they've you know re-templated the cards to to fit the new rules the rules have not changed they've just been like reworded to be more consistent and like sort of rule out the edge cases and stuff so you can use your old ffg cards if you want but uh, you can also just get the system update 
Yeah. Oh, uh, this like is the, really neat. It's like the Oracle I... text in Magic the Gathering, if you people are familiar with that. Um, the other thing is that I believe the, the frames have changed as well, right? So the art has changed slightly, right? So the, the, the cost icon looks slightly different. It's in the same place, looks basically the same, but it's subtly different. Um, so... Yes, and the reason, the reason is because they don't want to reuse any of the assets. I right. think it's a legality thing, but yes, I don't course. know. If you, if you scroll down to standard expansions, yep. um, this is up, Uprising and Downfall are the two expansions that have been created for the game so far. Um, they're just new. They're, you know, 130 new cards. They're all really fun to play with. And one of the things I want to I wanna emphasize here is that all of these cards, um, especially the gateway stuff, is aimed at new, new players, um, but it is not watered down kind of you know basic stuff it's really really powerful cards mm. that that returning players um will look at these and go oh what they, they did what yeah this is what <laughs> i did right like i'm huh. i'm part of nisei but like i said i don't do any of the design and, and stuff like that so you know um i just work on on some stories on flavor text and stuff so every time i see a card that they've released <laughs> or like you know, the public sees it for the first time. It's kind of like I'm seeing it too because I cannot retain information from spreadsheets. Like it just sure. falls out of my brain. Yep. So when I, when I look at the card, I'm like, Ex excuse me, you guys released what? <laughs> this is <laughs> balanced. Know? How? Explain. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh. no, but but it is it is balanced if you think about it. But it's just a strong effect um, that's fun to play with and it's simple. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think I think though. Uh, anybody who's looking to get into Netrunner should definitely look into the gate, the gateway starter set. Definitely. Yeah, that's a great yeah, bit I'm of advice. I'm I'm looking at it right now on uh, make playing cards. Yeah, I'm I'm that's... definitely doing it. Uh, well, rather, if we play a game in person, Adam, I will definitely do it. <laughs> How's that? I mean, I'd be I'd be down. I, I, I mean, really I'm enjoy. Down, I think there's just. Anything. There's just something wonderful about about Netrunner and like the the shell game and the mind game that that go along with the whole thing. Um, so yeah, our audience, but, but it is but it but ahead. it is intimidating. So which is yes. why I think the starter set is yeah. Yeah, one of the things about um, Netrunner, like Infinity, is that um, you do benefit from having encyclopedic knowledge of cards. Um, mm -hmm. It makes you a better player. Uh, you can better predict what your opponent might do uh, by, you know, influence counting. Um, so, I mean, it may be worth spending like just a quick five-minute overview of what Netrunner is for our listeners who don't know or have never experienced it. Because a lot of our our, our audiences um, are are miniature war gamers who may have not played Netrunner or or been exposed to it. So, I guess we can really quickly blow through what it is and if uh you know anything comes up that i say incorrectly or whatever feel free to jump in um so first off it's a asymmetric card game basically representing uh cyberpunk hackers also known as runners within the universe going after mega corporations or corps um and the main objective is to get to seven objective points or agenda points um and you can do this in two different ways runners uh can either go steal the uh the agendas, which are represented by cards in the corporation's deck, you can actually go steal them from them. Um, or as the corporation, you can expend resources to achieve those uh, agendas. Usually you get some in-game benefit for 
for doing that, right? So maybe you get some money or some cool effect or something like that. And the cooler the effect or the more powerful the effect, the more resources you have to expend to achieve that agenda. Um, there's a couple other ways so of basically, winning. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, it's ba like basically as the, as the runner, you're winning the game by stopping the corporation's nefarious plans. Right, or right? exposing like them a, to the public. Or yeah, something. exactly. Yeah. And the corporation is... You know, it, like any other business, they have a bunch of different projects they're working on, mm -hmm. and every project they complete puts them closer to uh, world domination, right? right? So as it's that's pretty much straightforward. You get the points for stopping them, which is stealing it from their you know from the deck or out of the um, out of the server, or they get the points for having accomplished their their agenda, right? Literally agenda. <laughs> so there's a few other things, you, ways you can win. Uh, one of which is you just run the 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 corporation out of cards, right? Sort of like in Magic, if you can't draw from your library, you lose as a corporation. Um, so that's one way to do it. That's sort of like representing the runner draining the corporation of resources or something like that, right? Running out of time. Uh, or the corporation can straight up kill the runner, right? So in the evil cyberpunk future, right? The corporation doesn't mind blowing up your brain or dropping a rock on your house and uh, for yep. more of it, right? So those are ways you can do it. And um, so there's a couple of ways to do that. There's a couple of resources in the game. So of course there's credits and credits are sort of a general stand-in for uh, resources, right? It can represent either money or uh, the resources to buy money or influence and that sort of thing. Um, also like hacking power, basically by spending by spending uh, credits to beef up your programs and things like that. Uh, there's the notion of clicks. So action is basically time. Right, there's a limited amount of time in each turn, so you only get a certain number of actions per turn, uh, and then cards, of course, and you can trade all of these things for 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 each other, right? So there's ways to to um, pay clicks for cards or clicks for money, right? So time is money and cards. Uh, you can get money from cards, right? So they kind of go around all these things. Um, probably worth talking about structure a little bit, how it works. So here here's an example uh, play scenario, right? So you have you have your uh, your deck, which is called R&D, right? So this is your library. You have your hand, right? So presumably you have some cards in your hand, uh, which the runner does not know the contents of. And then you have um, your discard pile. So we'll put some stuff in the discard pile for now, right? So you have HQ for hand, R&D for library, and archives is your discard. And basically, um, you can actually do things like set up servers, right? So how do you actually get those agendas? Well, you can install servers, right, which extend out uh, different parts of the play area. And these represent assets that are now exposed, right? So you've actually spooled up a web server or something, say like, or some, you spooled up a data center to crunch numbers for your like fabulously important uh, world domination enterprise. And then you can spend resources by, uh, you know, putting tokens on these cards and eventually you'll get to the required number of tokens and then you can score your fancy world ending scheme. Um, and once you get the seven, you win. But of course, the runner can also just come in and take this and expose it because it knows the runner presumably knows what this is now. Uh, so you can protect your um, your servers by installing what's known as ice, and that's basically in modern parlance like a firewall of some sort. And so you can protect mm -hmm. all of your servers with various bits of ice, and you can stack out many pieces of ice to really defend your servers. But of course that costs time time and resources, right? So the more the more you do and the more ice you have active, the more money you've spent to get into that game state. So that's sort of the the the, the push pull of through these sorts of things. So that's just sort of the general structure of the game. Um, the runner basically uh, can has a has a completely different 
setup. It's much more like a Magic the Gathering situation where you have all these permanents in play, uh, and the permanents give you some resource uh, stuff to work off of, or maybe some tools with which to attack these servers, right? So we won't get into the full details of like how you play Netrunner. There's a bajillion videos that you can go check out, and of course you can just get this Nisei starter set, and I'm sure that comes with some lovely, uh, lovely and well-written uh, uh, rules and, and explanation for you to to chew through. But that's sort of just the general the general idea. Um, some of the really fun things you can do uh, that really capture the essence of Netrunner um, are the ability to sort of look at the opponent's board state and say like, I don't think you can get into more than one server this turn, right? Because you just mm -hmm. don't have enough resources, you don't have enough credits, you don't have enough clicks available uh, based on what I've set up. So you can really only inspect one thing. So you can actually put out multiple copies of stuff and say like, well, you can check one of these, although if you don't check them all, I win, right? So that's a strategy that you can use as the corp is to sort of bleed the runner dry. like force them to attack a lot of different things and they won't have time and resources to do so. So, you know, one of my favorite, uh, my, my favorite games of Netrunner, I was playing NBN and I had an Astro script uh, in hand and two other like meaningless assets. So I had three servers. I knew the runner could only get into one. I pulled three cards from my hand. I shuffled them. So even I didn't know what they were and I installed in three different servers and I said, I passed her. And the runner nice. just looked at me and says, you bastard. <laughs> I can't even read your face. I don't know which one it is. And I'm like, I don't know either. So that was a that was a fun game. So it Netrunner was invented um by Richard Garfield, mm -hmm. who, who made Magic the Gathering. And then after he made Magic the Gathering, um, in nineteen eighty three or whatever it was, decided, mm -hmm. you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna make another game, but this time closer to poker with the bluffing aspect. Right. And uh, yeah, so that was Netrunner. He still cons I believe he still considers it considers it his the best game he's ever created. Uh, it's, and I and I heartily agree. Yeah. It's, it's really good. it's really damn good. Um I've played I mean I think most of us nerds, especially if you played the card, you know, the, the CTGs back in the day have played several Richard Garfield games. Um yeah. you know, like I know just off the top of my head by middle school I had been playing uh Magic, Netrunner, and Jihad. Which I think got changed into Vampire: The Eternal Struggle, and I've always had a really big soft spot for Netrunner. One of the things I really like about it is that you're fundamentally playing two different games. You know, the corporation. If if the runner does nothing, the corporation wins, right? And it's not because they have squashed the runner, like you know, like in Magic where you you're killing the other uh, wizard. But it's just because the corporation is doing what corporations do, which is growing and consuming resources and expanding and dominating the world. Um, so what they're doing is they're really just playing a defensive game. They're they're building these servers and they're defending these servers. They have some ways to go more on the offense, like putting tags on a runner and then you know literally sending goons to go break their legs. But ultimately, it's it's the they're kind of. Uh, implacable. They're just going to keep moving forward, and it's up to the runner to basically uh, throw, you know, throw a spanner in the works and try to undercover their nefarious plots. So the what the runner is doing looks entirely different on the table. So like it, the actual game space looks different. They're using different cards. None of the cards are the same. There's there's no card that works for both decks. You have runner cards and you have corporation cards. Even the scale of things is different. I remember 
back in the day, they even talked about how like one one corporate credit is like thousands of runner credits in terms of like currency conversion. But to them, like they spend a million dollars the way a runner spends a hundred bucks. Yeah, it's 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 the the scale is is not meant to be accurate, I guess, from that perspective. Well, yeah, right. like uh, there's there's two there's two equivalent um, cards for each side, and they both cost five credits, and they both they both have the same effect, which they give you nine credits, right? Yeah. The 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 runner version is called Sure Gamble, so it represents like you know you you play a you you rig your poker your poker game and win a big payout, right? The court version is called Hedge Fund, so presumably <laughs> you just. I mean, so what you, they do the same thing. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's they just do a, the same thing, it's, it's but the corporate scale of the down. payout is significantly <laughs> large. Yeah, right. And weren't there? I mean, it's. I mean, I've you know really reaching back. Weren't there some cards where like you steal one credit from the corporation and it turns into like three or five two. for the runner? Two, two, yeah, yeah. So like this, the it's a totally different game. You know, it, which I think is actually kind of perfect. You know, if you think about using hedge fund as an example, like. Corporates doing corporation stuff. What they are doing is very different than what the you know, gritty, downtrodden runner is trying to accomplish. Yeah, and, and so that's I, what I love is also that sense of like cyberpunky rebellion. It's like you are a faceless, amorphous corporation playing with trillions of credits, trying yep. to you know enact global takeover or whatever. I'm one guy in his basement. Yep, and I will <laughs> stop you. You can you can always make it feel a little bit more empathetic towards the corporation if you think of the per, the player running the corporation as some poor schmuck in middle management trying to move his way up the ladder by accomplishing agendas. I yep. mean, yes, yes, true, but also <laughs> I have no interest in doing that whatsoever. <laughs> they are way more fun when they are when they are faceless, soulless corporate drones. Oh no, I just hate corpse. <laughs> <laughs> so. Something uh, something kind of fun is that there are different, like, uh, I guess, classes of corporation, but it's basically which of the four major corporations you are playing as a corporate player. Yep. Right? I get, identity, right, is the, the term? Well, so there, it's, 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 there's basically four corporations, and then, of course, because these are megacorps, they all have subsidiaries. So so one thing go. is that uh, each, each of the corporations has, like, different themes, uh, but uh, you, you, the card that represents the the subsidiary that you're playing generally has some ability, which we didn't really cover. Um, yeah, what's your favorite corporation and why is it Gentechi? <laughs> NBN man. Yeah, NBN for me too. <laughs> I'm a Waylon player actually. Yeah. I, yeah. I like I like Waylon, but and the idea of NBN to me is just too much fun because it kind of reminds me of the horrible. Uh, Things that are happening in current life, I just think of but them yeah. as like, as like Disney. Oh, yeah. Disney yeah, they're, they're evil Disney if Disney owned the literal internet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure they're on their way. They're trying. Disney Plus is just the start. So yeah, my 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 partner my partner um she's an NBN player as well and has been more or less since the start. So I'm like very sympathetic towards NBN, but also at the same time. Screw NBN. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, right. If you if you constantly have to run against NBN decks, you're like, nope, don't want any of this noise. Get out of here. Yeah. So let's, uh, John, you, you're John and Calvin, both of you are probably more well equipped 
to explain kind of the, the, the high level differences to our audience than I would be. Differences between the corpse, the corpse, the corpse general flavor. Oh yeah. Okay. So I want to start with Wayland. Sure. So Wayland, Wayland, the Wayland, um, consortium is a, they're in, they're in everything, real estate, construction, um, military contracts, um, in the fiction of the universe, there's a space elevator that um, that leaves the Earth and like is a launching point to the Moon and Mars, which have both been ah there you go that's a space elevator. It's called the Beanstalk. It it's owned by Wayland, so Wayland owns the the space elevator and all of its profits. And yeah, they're they're not subtle. Yeah. <laughs> their, their thing their whole thing is we we own pretty much everything um and we have a lot of money and when we will do basically whatever we want to protect it so they're the like you know what was it that john said earlier like we'll drop a rock on your house mm-hmm. um yeah i got a rock yeah alternatively we'll blow up the entire city block that you were living in that um, was that was my favorite card from way back in the old Netrunner, which it was called I Got a Rock, right? And it's, I, did they end up, re, I think they did end up reprinting it, but it's basically yes. we're going to, we have, we've got enough tags on you that we're pretty sure we know where you live and we're going to divert an asteroid onto your yeah, house. And drop it onto your house. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So Wayland, Wayland is not subtle. Um, their, their thing is extremely having a lot of money. Um, sort of gray or black operations and um, having ice that, uh, you know, the firewalls that are really cool, they, they do cool stuff with their firewalls too. So that's Wayland. Then we have what? How about Jinteki? Uh, Jinteki is like sort of like a biocorp, I guess, right? So they went with like clones and stuff uh, and, and uh, they're Root is is uh, from Japan, effectively, uh, and they have a mm-hmm. lot of um, uh, traps. And they generally like to play a game where you have to take damage uh, to do anything. Right, as the runner, uh, there's a whole there's many many Jinteki archetypes where that ends up being a thing. Like oftentimes you have to take damage to steal an agenda, right, or uh, things like that. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, they're they're a lot of fun to play. A lot of people like them because they attack not just because most most corporations are capable of attacking your credit pool, right? So they can drain mm-hmm. your credit pool by forcing you to make runs on stuff that doesn't matter, or uh, forcing you to face check a piece of ice that's really powerful, and you have to spend a lot of your resources to prevent something horrible from happening to you, um, and that will drain your credit pool. Kentucky can do that and in addition also drain your card pool by doing damage to you because the idea is that you're sort of jacked in like the matrix right uh, and anything that happens that's bad to you on the the net right can cause literal feedback in your brain and blow you up kind of like hacking in infinity right so yeah um yeah Jinteki is very much about that sort of stuff there's a lot of like a lot most of the traps are from Jinteki, right so you, you may see something on the table that has a bunch of advancement tokens on it, and you're like, oh, I bet that's an agenda I can go steal. Surprise, it's not. It's a thing that blows up in your face and kills you. right? So that, that's a thing that Jinteki excels at. Um, if, if you die in the net, you die in real life. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
Snare. Snare is another popular one. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's that's sort of Jinteki. They they have a they have a really fun uh, a fun mind game. One of the one of the cards that I really like from them is called Celebrity Gift. You basically play it, reveal your hand, and get a pile of money. <laughs> and you're just like, all right, this is what I got. Just give me all the monies. Yep. Pretty much. Let's see. Cool. Has- yeah, House yeah, is the sorry, what Adam you say? Oh no, I just say go ahead. House <laughs> yeah. is kind of the counterpart to Jinteki, where Jinteki does clones. House Bioroid does robots. So they brain they brain tape humans and they use their their brain recordings to to power androids that they call bioroids. And these bioroids, uh, and together with the clones, form most of the labor force in this universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the one of the very uh, one of my favorite things about about this world is how it explores like um, real life, like the potential real life consequences of all these scientific advancements. Yeah. So if you have two companies providing infinite cheap labor, what happens to all of the the people, right? The disenfran the disenfranchised the the, the the people in poverty and you know what are the what are some of the side effects like there's uh, there's human rights groups in the game called human first and they're really um i guess you could say controversial with their methods because one of their methods is sledgehammers they go and smash all of the yeah. the clones and bioroids that they can yeah. because they're taking human people's jobs um yeah it's a great it's a great science fiction setting. It's my favorite science fiction setting, actually. Um, House Bioroid as a game, as a game element, um, has firewalls that are sentient, so you can convince them to let you pass. But they, oh yeah, that's Edward. Hi, Edward. He's a he's a he's a he's a, <laughs> he's a racist. Basically. Yeah, he's a racist. Basically, yeah. he hates he hates um, bioroids and stuff. So, yeah, Hasbiroid has sentient firewalls that you can talk to and get past without having programs. Um, oh, but funny. they also have they also have they also have because of their the Bioroids thing, they're more efficient than other corporations. They can do more things in less time, um, which leads to some to some fun tricks that they can pull where you think they can't they can't possibly score that agenda, but surprise, they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they play they play a lot with the concept of time. Um, John was saying that there's time in the game. Runners have time and corpse have time. Um, but for Haas Bioroid, the corpse time is worth more and the runner's time is worth less. So yes. they play around huh. with that aspect. Yeah, there's a lot of aspects of them draining uh, runner clicks, right? So for example, um, uh, you know the the mechanic that they use to model talking to the sentient firewall is you pay your click slash time resource to just get through. So you could do it for free. You don't get to pay any credits in some cases, right? Uh, but that means you're not also doing other things, right? You're choosing to... So first you have to pay a click to make the run, period. Then you have to pay some number of clicks to get through the firewall, right? And now you're not using those clicks to make money, right? So... Right, so it really yeah. slows you down. Yeah, so you, it's, it's, it's just like... One of the things that I love about it from a game design perspective is there's all these like interlocking knots of like... If I spend this resource, so I don't have to spend this resource, but I'm not getting that resource, but it's okay because I'm like applying pressure over here. But then like there's all this like 
it's always, it's always like shifting sands, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to push over here because I think it's worthwhile, but then, you know, the corp may have wanted you to do that and presented like false weakness over there. Right. Uh, to, to sort of entice you over there. So there's a lot of this sort of, yeah, exactly like the, the poker aspect that uh, Calvin was talking about earlier. So it's, it's really quite elegant, I think as a game structure, um, you know, and, and it's a, it's a very uh, well constructed game mechanic system. And I think, uh, you know, my, my main concern with where it went with under FFG was like all the, uh, you know, there was a little bit of power creep I felt going on, so the card sort of made it funny. But uh, like the, the the miniature games we play, um, the the underlying mechanics are robust enough to tolerate quite a bit of abuse. I think is the, is the way, what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. Do you want to talk about MBM? Yeah, yeah let's sure. talk about them really quick. Um, no, so, do you want it? Because uh, it's oh, your favorite, right? So you yeah, might yeah, well yeah. Go, go for it, Adam. Oh, geez, this is going to be extremely vague and ancient memory. Um, <laughs> I okay. So if my, if my really bad memory serves me, NBN, the world is yours. Yeah. Um, it's okay. So basically, they're they're Disney, right? Like I like them because they are the they are the monopolistic. Uh, entertainment media companies. And for me, those are the companies in my future Netrunner setting or in future cyber tank setting or cyberpunk setting that I like to destroy the most. Um, so when I play, you know, when I play the game, I want to play as the, the bad guys, which I appreciate in terms of game mechanics. I'm vaguely remember they have a lot of money. Is that their mechanic? Or am I just totally off base on that? I felt uh, like Wayland usually has piles of money. NBS okay. thing is tagging. Oh, shoot. That's right. That's why I like these guys because I got a rock. Um, it was, yeah, we're going to find out where you live and who your friends are and come break your kneecaps. Yeah. I mean, they just know everything, but, right? And they contract, yeah. they subcontract out to the seedier parts of Wayland to go send the hit squad or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So the, the, the tags in this game are basically represent how good of an idea I have of who and where you are, right? If you have one tag, I might have like, you know, a, a rough IP block and it may be able to track down what city you live in. Um, where if I've got like five tags on you, I have your home address and you can expect people to come knocking. And then some of the fun counterplay to that, like I, there, if I remember correctly, there was like a lead lined refrigerator you could get as a runner to basically <laughs> hide inside so you don't get nuked. They could eat a bunch of meat damage for you. Um, yes, thank you. That's what it was. It was all it was all the tagging. It was just finding you and breaking your legs. Yeah. And it's just right. it's just so and, characterful as well. Yeah. In this in this universe, NBN literally owns the internet. Like every every bit of information that goes across oh, the network goes over their their network. So yeah, have fun with that. Yeah, right. <laughs> they know all the things. I I I just love playing them because it's just I think they're the the uh, for me they they have the most entertaining flavor. Right, like my favorite piece of ice is pop up window, where it's just like mm. it doesn't really cost <laughs> much to get through, but the corp always gets a dollar. <laughs> it's just like go through as you go through. It's just like, well, this is happening whether you like it or not. You have to click the X and get rid of it, and I'm getting my ad money. So, all right. <laughs> and I think I think NBN has the widest variety of like we talked about all the other corps, right? Like Willen, like you can play as a construction company, you can play as an oil drilling company, you can play as an energy company. Jinteki, uh, mm -hmm. you can play as like a cloning facility, or you can play as like the agro corp that grows the food. 
Right. Um, you know, um, but NBN I think has the widest variety of stuff because you can play as like, you know, the people who control the the, the satellites. You can play as like a game company. You know that sell that sells you products. You can play as like a augmented reality corp. You can play as a news a news uh, corporation. You can play as like an advertising agency. Yeah, there's like lots of different. Uh, right. I think I think much like modern media corporations, they they can even seem like they're on your side. Yeah. Like yeah. no no no, we're just bringing you cool streaming tools for everybody. Yeah. yeah they 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 you know they make your fun they make your favorite show. Right? Yeah. Exactly. You know, we're how, your how friend. Yeah, it's like it's like it's exactly how you know people love Marvel, and and it's fine to love Marvel, but you know you have to at least sort of question the military propaganda that is within Marvel at least right. a little bit in your life. I mean, just that's, yeah, just ignore the fact that we're literally carving um, advertisements onto the moon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Wasn't that one of their agendas? Yeah, the... Asher skipped pilot program. That's right, exactly. We're just going to give it a shot, see what it's like. You guys won't mind, will you? Okay, so yeah, that's that's the basic rundown. It's I mean, it's a fantastic cyberpunk setting. Uh, Android is more than just Netrunner, though, right? And I think, Calvin, you were talking, you kind of alluded to it a little bit where it's it's a pretty expansive universe. Yeah, so Android is a, is, is a science fiction universe that they set Netrunner in. But Android is not just Netrunner. So Netrunner is focusing on the corps and the hackers that try to stop them. But the Android setting more generally is talking about, you know, like I said earlier, labor and like human rights and the cyberpunk future. Um, and the various games in the Android universe um, have all sort of showcased this in a, in a slightly different way. Um, the mm -hmm. most recent... The most recent uh, game that they released was an RPG supplement called Shadow of the Beanstalk, in which you can play in this, you know, this Android setting, and you can be like, yeah, you can be a hacker, but you can be you can be more than just a hacker, right? But the idea here is that because it's an RPG, you still have to go on adventures. So your adventures often involve, you know, raiding the corp or like, you know, be going on high-speed car chases in the future. Or having guns and fighting off enemy private security forces, things like that. But the hacking is um, less emphasized in the RPG setting. It's much more about the physical spaces that that the players inhabit. That's They're really still hacking. Cool. They're still hacking in it, but it's not. It's not the key. Uh, it's not the key thing. Right. Like it. It kind of feels like if you define like high fantasy versus low fantasy, where high fantasy you've got, you know, like dragons and giant armor shoulder pads unless you're a girl then for some reason you have a power, an armor bikini right like if that's your your warcrafty and high fantasy and then you've got you know you're more tolkien or uh game of thronesy low fantasy this feels kind of like the low cyberpunk side of things right like we're not like you said we're not taking like crazy adventures through the net like no we got to go down to this place and you know hustle this other dude to get a ram chip yeah yeah, basically. I mean, obviously, it's all up to your GM, right? To of course, yeah. And the the game that they released, the game that they released before this was called New Angeles, right? And what what New Angeles was about is that you were, um, you're all playing as the corporations, and you're trying to get stuff done in the city. No, no, it's just called New Angeles. 
the game is just called New Angeles. That's fine. So what what the game is yeah. about is you uh, you you play one of the one of the corporations, and you are trying to exert influence through the city. It's based around like negotiating with each other and voting for each other. And one of the one of the fun aspects of the game is that one of the corps could be yeah that's the one, one of the corps could be secretly working with the feds. <laughs> oh, nice! In the in the fiction, New Angeles is a United States incorporated territory. It's actually in Ecuador, um, mm-hmm. because that's where the beanstalk is. There's the space elevator, right? So it has to be on the equator. So it's at the it's a the space elevator is built on the Cayambe Mountain in Ecuador. And New Angeles is a incorporated territory of the United States that surrounds the beanstalk, but it doesn't actually like the way the city works is that it's basically run by the corporations. However, if the if the if the U.S. has a vested interest in trying to make sure that the corporations, <clears throat> you know, don't do you know don't run away, they have to actually take care of the city at some point, right? Like you have to, you see, like when unrest decreases, like yeah, so you have to keep unrest to a minimum. You have to actually mm. provide services and jobs and food and stuff, and make sure the city doesn't have disease. Um, yeah. So, but if you don't do that, and the city you know collapses under under the pressure of all this, the evil schemes that the corporations are, are trying to um, advance. Then, um, then the feds come and take over the city, and one of you could be secretly working with the feds. So, yeah, I like that. It's fun. It's fun. I like it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I've also played like I was just remembering like there was a um, invasion game, right? Where it's kind of like your group of people breaking into the tower. Stealing all the data you can. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's that was infiltration. That came up before Netrunner, um, and yeah, it's it's not invasion. It's like a heist. Oh, like, there we go. Yeah, but yeah, you're a bunch of you're a bunch of uh, thieves. You're breaking into the building, and you're trying to steal as much loot as you can. That was designed by Donald X. Baccarino, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there it is. Yep. Who's mm-hmm. the the designer of Dominion? Yeah. This this oh. game came out before Netrunner. Wow. Okay. I, I, I remember. It. Like you I can play it. I've I played it back in the day. I think I played this, thinking knowing that Netrunner was coming out soon, so I wanted to play this mm-hmm. before before I got back into uh, the the re release. That's pretty fun. No, the, so this Nisei project sounds pretty awesome. Uh, I have to say, I'm, it's nice to hear about games that the community can keep alive. You know, I, I've played. Uh, a good example, like I've played Blood Bowl for years and it was discontinued by GW for 15 years and the game was still great. And so seeing the same kind of community support for another you know, another uh, yeah. property like Netrunner is really yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, the reason, nobody knows the actual reason that um, FFG had to stop making Netrunner apart from the fact that, okay, so the only thing they said publicly is that the licensing deal with Wizards of the Coast um, fell through because okay. Netrunner was created by Garfield for Artalsorian Games, and that's the that license is basically owned by Wizards of the Coast now. So, net so FFG was in the middle. I believe it was twenty eighteen. Was in the middle of a bunch of like releases. They had mm-hmm. just made a new corset. They were it. They had just hired a new lead designer. They had just released a bunch of really cool things. And suddenly they had to announce that the game was cancelled because the licensing agreement had fallen through. So AFAIK, 
the or at least you know from what I can see, I feel like the licensing stuff was more on the either on the Wizards of the Coast end of things because it mm-hmm. really seems like FFG was gearing up to do some cool stuff. That's why that's why the new like the, the last few cycles are so expensive by the way because they had to basically when the by the time the license ran out they had to get rid of any product that it was not sellable anymore. Mm-hmm. Right, oh. so all of that. So all of that stuff had to be had to be dumpstered basically because it couldn't sell it. Um, yeah. Oh geez, that's, mm, that's brutal. <clears throat> yep. yep. So yeah, um, I have had a very dim view of visits of the coast for a very long time, and that netrunner thing has really cemented them to me as <laughs> <Sure>. like, <laughs> yeah. That um, hasn't like hasn't helped your, uh, <laughs> your take on them at all. No, no, it hasn't. I also, <clears throat> I also genuinely think that magic is a is a is Okay, I have a lot of respect for the people who do design and art on Magic the Gathering because in that sense, it's <clears throat> probably the greatest game in the industry in terms of like the quality of the design work and the quality sure. of the, the art and the art direction. You know, because they're, they're literally wizards of the, of the coast and they're printing money with it, so that, you know, whatever. My issue with Magic is that um, they could make it a good game, but they don't. Like, the land system is so absolutely... 1995 right you know <laughs> and I mean... and so to me like i understand why people still play it like it's a it's a fun game and it's got the the weight and the legacy of history it's got a bunch of people who are you know really invested in it it's easy to get into with the, the online stuff with arena um it's fun to do like you know pauper drafts and things like that you know i i totally get it but i'm firmly of the opinion that if it if it's not a good game, like the, just just because of the, the core of the land system, like if they updated the land system, if they did something with it, um, the land they, system. Yeah, like okay, you think the you mana system break, is, is the is the criticism you have? Yeah, I think it's horrific, like s- s- bad game design. Well, right, tell, tell, tell us more. I'm I'm interested. Oh, now. good. I've got okay. I've got my points on that, but I'd like to hear Calvin's. All right, so I mean, I'm not disagreeing. Uh, I'm just very curious. In Netrunner, which again is designed by the same guy and who wanted to fix all the problems he saw with Magic, um, <laughs> he did. He's on record no, as saying Netrunner, totally Netrunner is the design I made to fix all the problems I have with Magic. Um, the main thing is that money in this game is stays from turn to turn, right? If you have if you have free land in Magic, you either spend the three mana or it's gone the next turn, right? Yep. Right. If you have three credits at Netrunner and you and you, you know, gain three credits, you now have six credits. Mm-hmm. So you don't go back to three credits. Yeah, it's there until you use it. Yeah, it's there until you use it. Or, you know, something happens to it because of, you know, your yeah, opponent or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the the point is that if you don't have the card you need in Netrunner, you can spend an action to draw a card. If you don't have the resources you need in Netrunner, you can spend an action to gain a credit. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Magic, you draw seven, you don't have any lands, you mulligan down to six, you do still don't have any lands, so you have two, and then you don't draw any more lands sure. for the next three turns. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's... Magic is... A... Magic is fundamental. Well, both these card games are fundamentally resource allocation games, 
and in magic your your availability if, of resources comes down to RNGesus, right? I, I wouldn't mind the land system so much if you could draw cards in magic. Sure, if you could force a draw without yeah. a without needing the cards lands. that let you do that. <laughs> to let you draw cards. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because because in Netrunner a deck, a standard deck is forty five cards. If I spend my entire turn drawing cards, I will have seen, you know, four, four more cards. That's 10% of my deck. Yeah. You know, um, if I still don't have the cards I need, next turn I can just draw four more cards. That's another 10% of my deck. You know, I don't, yeah. it's not, it's not good play, but it's an option that exists to me. You know, if, I'm right. do, if yeah, I don't yeah. draw lands, if I don't draw lands in magic, I just sit there. Well, if you think about a typical, like take your, your typical 60 card magic deck or yeah that's the thing the, the magic 40, decks are larger even yeah and 40 percent of it are cards that fundamentally don't affect the action in the gameplay yes. right 40 percent of it are just resource cards like that's that's not fun where when you build a, a deck for you know like netrunner perfect example right like every card in that deck is a meaningful addition to the deck it's none of it is filler because you need to have it yeah the, the, when people build decks for Netrunner, they talk about the 46th card a lot. It's the card that you desperately want to have in there, but can't. Right. Yeah, because... right. So, yeah, no, that's a, that's, a, that's a good... I think that's a good way, to, a really good way to, to sum up the major differences right there. It's just that, that simple availability of resources and how resources are managed by both players, and it actually yeah. creates a, an equal footing of resources. You never right. have a situation... Like in Magic, you could have you can be flush with mana, right, and have no yeah. cards to no you cards. Be mana to starved use it. or mana flooded, right? Those are things that like there's no yeah. like there's an equivalent for that in 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 Netrunner a little bit. You can get agenda flooded, right? That's the thing that happens. Sure. Um, but I mean, like Tim Tim has it right. Like Tim in in chat is is a is a longtime Magic player too, and he says, uh, you know, like this land thing we've been talking about is a spot of variance where there shouldn't be variance, and. Um, yeah, I think I think it's really just the um, like you you have a lot more control over your resources in Netrunner than you do Magic, mainly because you can you can spend clicks to do stuff, right? Like credits and cards. And it's I think it's really telling uh, how powerful the ability to draw cards is when like usually like like one, uh, everybody is in in this hobby has at least heard of Magic if not played it for many years. Um, mm -hmm. And so often when you're teaching somebody how to play Netrunner, you can just use magic terminology, right? You're like, okay, so you can click draw, right? You can, you know, uh, uh, like this, this operates at quote unquote sorcery speed and people make sense, right? People understand what's going yeah. on. Um, and then, and then you're like, and then they get to a game and the first thing that every magic player does infallibly, right? Like every time, uh, when they start playing, they're like, okay, uh, I spend my first couple, like all my first turn of clicks, just drawing because they're like, I can do this, and cards in my hand are so <laughs> good. <laughs> so I just like draw, 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 draw. Uh, what do I do cards now? Just falling from the sky. <laughs> Wee, I like, cards. Every time I've taught a magic player how to play, they're just like draw, 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 draw. All right, cool. Now what? Well, you just spend your whole turn drawing. You know, you have, you know. So it's it's. I think what was it like? There's a there's a card in the the core set of Netrunner that like costs zero, draw three cards. Like how much does that cost in Magic? Draw yeah. three cards. Oh like yeah, holy cow! It... Well, I mean, if you're playing the Power of Seven. <laughs> yeah, right. It costs theoretically. Well, it costs thousands of dollars, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, that's that's that the, that's the 
that's the okay. We've been we've been criticizing Magic from an in-game perspective. Yeah. From an outside of game perspective, the the CCG slash booster pack model is inherently predatory, and the fact that they that they encourage the secondhand market because you know yeah. they benefit um, is also predatory. And right. And the fact that they have such practices for profit. I mean, okay, we live in a capitalistic society, right? So every company that produces an entertainment product has to make money, at least at a certain level, to continue to make the product. Sure. You know, but you can you can have actions that are pro-consumer or anti-consumer, basically. You know, it's yeah. it's just it's just a matter of like how do you want to balance your your making money with how much you inconvenience your your audience. You know, you cannot tell me honestly with a straight face that magic would not be a better game if you knew exactly what cards you were buying in every pack. Yeah. No, it's the original loot box for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I like to think like, I like to laugh at myself and the desperate things I would do to scrounge together a couple bucks to buy a booster pack when I was a kid. Right. Like I just, I just need one more. And then, then you get this card that you kind of don't need, but you kind of do, but I could sell it back to the shop to get two more booster packs. It's like watching the person at the supermarket buying the lottery scratch offs to use the money that they win from that to buy more lottery scratch offs. Um, Yeah. that's, That's effectively, that's effectively it. Right. And you see, the thing is like, my, my housemate plays Magic, so I've opened booster packs, and I get it. It's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, you open the pack, you have all these pretty cards, you're like, ooh, is this one worth anything? Like, I like so I get that. It's like, it hits a very fundamental human part of the brain. So that's my problem with it. They know this. Oh, yeah. And they exploit it. Yep. Which, yep. to me, is evil. That is, that's just it, right? Like, it's, it's, it's predatory. It's enabling of destructive human behaviors it's like people say like oh yeah but you can voluntarily do, get like you could just stop buying booster packs but that ignores the fact that people have compulsions towards addiction people have compulsions towards gambling and mm-hmm. you know and even if they want even if they wanted to to argue that this is how we've always done it that's not a good enough reason you know it's sure. not a good enough reason to to maintain that what's it like that, that list of cards that they will never reprint just to inflate oh, yeah, yeah. the secondhand market value yeah. of the cards mm-hmm. like why you could just reprint all of them you could do it tomorrow you just do you just won't do it because it's good for you scarcity. like like honestly all of these actions done by this this corporation feel like the evil actions in a you know in netrunner basically doesn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah, I have a very, very dim view of Wizards of the Coast. The, the world, like the world is yours. Like yeah. <laughs> maybe there should be an NVN identity in WOTC. Right? Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Well, so this is actually kind of funny because um, Richard Garfield, I think his most recent game is Keyforge, and yeah. the the environmentalist in me hates yeah. Keyforge with a passion mm. because, yeah. like you know, all of from a totally utilitarian perspective, all the things that we love and enjoy are are worthless. But the key forge in particular drives me extra insane because you have the same like we I want to buy packs and open them up and I might get a deck that is slightly better than the deck I already own. Mm. And then if you open up a crap deck, it's literally just ten dollars of garbage. You can't even part it out the way you would part out mag- like yeah. magic cards. Like you might have use for a couple commas that you got and you're like, oh, this will be really funny in my 
whatever deck. And Geforge, you're like, nope, boom, into the trash can. Yeah. And well, you recycle, but yeah, that's no, true. The, the, the point the point is taken, right? So I mean, with with um, okay, if we're gonna like talk about Keyforge, I don't have too many opinions because I never played it, and the reason I didn't play it is because you know I didn't want to get into it um, so much because. Uh, there's a couple of reasons. They mainly boil down to I don't, you know, I, I like to construct decks, so pre uh -huh. game that is purely pre-constructed doesn't really do anything for me. Second, right. I already play Netrunner. Why do I need to play literally any other two-player card game? Sure, yeah, in existence. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, this, is, this is the best. Once you hit the top, there's it kind of is. To go. Yeah, literally, like unless unless the other game is doing something unique with like. That's a spatial element or with a theme that interests me in a different way. For me personally, there's no, no every every two player game that comes out, literally every two player game that comes out, a competitive two player game has mm -hmm. to has to beat Netrunner in order to make it into my life. And none of them have. So <laughs> I, that's literally I how John understand. and I are with uh, with miniature games. We're like, well, we're playing another miniature game. It had better be better than Infinity, or it had better offer something entirely different. Right. Because, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's interesting because so uh, John and I, when when Keyforge came out, I was kind of excited for it. I like new games. I always love when there's something new to try uh, to get in early and see what it's about. And our experience was essentially John got a really good deck, and <laughs> yeah. and you're like, well, this sucks. I don't want to play this anymore. Yeah, and I had like six decks. So I'm like, these are really cool. Uh, the art is they're nice. All, yeah, they're all bad. And then, you know, I go online to compare their value because people have like calculators. You punch in your code and imports. And it's like, no, nope, it's... Sorry, one oh, yeah. second. I think my cat is doing something suspicious up here. No worries. Yeah, no worries. But like, it, all of my decks were effectively worthless. And that was the end of it. <laughs> kind of so, so we stopped playing and anyways it's you know the, the, there are reasons why um even after ffg pulls the plug on netrunner the people are still playing it yeah i right? mean like I, it's yeah it's sure. a really solid system um it is funny i hadn't even thought about the whole booster pack being loot uh loot boxes until this conversation but they are, and loot boxes are against the law in some places. Because <laughs> it's literally just, you're spending money for a microtransaction. It's a $3 microtransaction where you might get something you want. Yep. So. It feels really good when you pull that foil mythic. Oh my god. It's so much fun opening booster pack. <laughs> it feels so I mean, good. I hadn't played in like 10, 15 years. Yeah, and like, we went to that one draft. Yeah, and it was so much fun making this nonsense, stupid deck out of the cards I opened up. And then I think I sold the cards back to Derek and yep. got some Infinity Miniatures. Yep, yep. I mean... It's like, oh, this card... Yeah. Yeah, Netrunner is, Netrunner is great for that reason. Like, you like you just buy it and then you're done. There's no, there's no more thinking about it. You don't have to worry about anything at all, right? It's just, you just, you just do that. Oh, hello, kitty. Well, hi there. <laughs> What's this one's name? This one is Kazrat One Eye. Oh, oh, perfect. There you go. Warhammer reference for people who don't get it. 
she's, she's called Kazrite One Eye because she has one eye, and because the um, around around the time we got her was the there's this very famous British YouTube channel called the Yogscast, mm-hmm. mm. and around the time we adopted her, they were doing their Christmas. Uh, Every every December they do a month long stream 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 gavazanza or whatever however you pronounce it, um, but it's basically like their their Christmas charity stream. They they collect they collect millions and millions of pounds for charity. It's really wholesome and good. Oh nice! Um, but one of the events that was taking place was um, that they were at the time they were playing the Warhammer Total War. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh. <laughs> Oh, they hit a button for you. Good old cats. We can't hear you. You're on mute. Ah, she muted. She muted the mic. Okay. <laughs> a, pro- a proper, a proper cat. That one is. Yep. She's really good. So they were playing Warhammer Total War, and um, one of the one of the uh, yes, their guys, one of the people, you know, in their crew, like burst into the room in full armor, dressed as one of the characters. I think his name is Boris Todbringer from Warhammer. Um, oh, yeah, burst yeah, into yeah. the room going like, where's Kazrak Wadai? Where is he? Yeah. Um, Perfect. So that's, so that's why that's why she's called Kazrak Wadai, because that, awesome. that video was, was fairly mimetic. Yeah. I was a long-time Beastman player back in my Warhammer Fantasy days, so that name instantly mm. rung a bell. Oh, that's fun. But, no, so Netrunner, um, especially also with this Nisei, um, pro- or Project Nisei, like one of the great things about it is you can just buy it and have it and be done. And that's what I mm-hmm. thought I was getting with Keyforge and was left wanting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really should just give in and probably play some more Netrunner with John. I have all of it. So <laughs> you do have yeah. all of it. No, definitely. Yeah. Well, great. So while we have you here, uh, let's let's talk a little bit more about you. You know, <laughs> you are this special guest that we brought on and we appreciate it. So one of my favorite questions when I talk to people um, who get into well, who, who get into more fringe nerd hobbies, especially when it comes down to like, no, I really like this one specific game that has a strong fandom. Um, mm-hmm. What what kind of pulled you out of, I guess, the, the more Milton Bradley kind of the typical games that we had growing up that your parents bought at Target, you know, and got us into the uh, the, the nerddoms? Um, Risk was the, the Milton Bradley game that launched me into um, the oh. hobby game market. Yeah, because Risk, you know, even as a even as an MB game, right? Like the mm-hmm. it, when you're when you're seven years old, it's very thematic. It's very you know, it's it conjures up images in your head of like you know giant armies clashing. And uh, it had always captured the imagination. I mean, even those MB games, right? If you think about it, a lot of them are really, you know, selling you on the possibility of the imagination, right? You think about sure. Battleship, you think about Monopoly. I used to play this game called Hotel. I think mm-hmm. it was Milton Bradley as well. Like, you, if you look it up, it's amazing when you're, you know, when you're 10 years old to, to, own, to own this game and play it. Like, if John could bring up the images. What was it called? It Hotel? Would be fantastic. Oh, Hotels. Yeah. yeah. It's... So it has it has three D cardboard hotels that you assemble and you put on the board. So like it's kind of like it's kind of like Monopoly but with three D buildings basically. Uh, and Those then, look fun. Um, they're kind of they they almost remind me of like uh, old uh, Games Workshop epic buildings that they would come with. Here's just a plastic top and a plastic bottom with some cardboard in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, 
Yeah, exactly. It's a plastic top and a plastic bottom with some cardboard in between. It's exactly how it is. Um, <laughs> um, and it's got, yeah, it was so, you know, even back then, oh, you goodness. just own all these. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, just got a picture. Just got there we go. There we go. So, yeah, oh, so wow. it looked like that. Yep. Um, it was really fun. And so, you know, even back then, I sort of uh, knew about the possibility. I didn't know, no, but like, you know, the possibilities of board games had been had been revealed to me, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And then it was in 2004. 2004 is when I was, well, like 18, I think. Okay, I was born in 1986. How does that matter? Yeah, I was 18. Um, and a board game shop, like just you know, randomly that I, a toy shop that I randomly walked into had some like a couple of board games on the shelf, and one of the board games was um, Risk Two Zero Two One. Mm. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. This was designed by uh, Rob Davio back when Rob Davio was still at Hasbro Games, um, and Rob Davio now is famous for doing um, Pandemic Legacy. Sure. Um, uh, but and Risk Legacy, I think, is another another game that he's fed yes, against. Yes. But uh, yeah, back then, you know, Risk Risk Twenty Two Ten, you know, the childhood me who loved Risk, like just you know, saved up money and bought it, mm -hmm. um, and it, it sparked a. It, that was what throughout the whole thing. You know, you were talking about what what brings you into into that, and you know, so my first game was Risk Twenty Two Ten. My second game was Doom, uh, from <laughs> fantasy, also from Fantasy Flight Games by Kevin Wilson. Um, the precursor to the the dungeon crawl descent series and stuff like that. So yep. Doom was a really good game. Uh, the third game was Starcraft, also by Fantasy Flight Games, and the fourth game was Twilight Imperium. Yeah, so like very very go. deep, very deep ending uh, over here. Yeah. Yeah, and you kind of that kind of actually follows. I feel like a well, Doom is a little bit anomalous there, but it kind of follows a path towards of um, thinking about between Risk and Twilight Imperium. Um, it's kind of, Twilight Imperium is kind of like Risk dialed yeah. way the hell up. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's even got the dice. Yeah, it's it's, it's really similar. Just, just you know what this you know what Risk would make this game Risk a lot more fun. There's more rules. <laughs> it it does capture the space opera though, like very. It really does. There's just so much going the, on. The... You feel a little overwhelmed. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um. I think between Twilight Imperium and StarCraft, um, the StarCraft board game, I think Twilight Imperium has a lot more longevity. And I think because it's got, it's actually got less rules than StarCraft. StarCraft was very complicated. Um, but the, but Twilight Imperium actually is, it was fairly elegant for its time. And the new fourth edition is, is, has pared back the rules even more. So the, the new fourth edition is very fast and plays really well. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it it gives me you know some of my favorite things that you know that netrunner also gives me which is um you each have a faction and the faction expresses itself in different ways you know and it lets you it lets you be that faction and sort of like role play as that because you kind of do that with netrunner as well right you like sure. you're playing as nbn or you're playing as wayland or whatever and you you express yourself through the the possibilities that that faction gives you so the same thing with with uh, with Twilight Imperium. Mm -hmm. um, so, except that it's except that it's it, you know you can have more than two players, and it takes 
uh, an hour per person rather than 15 to 30 minutes per person, which is Netrunner. Right, so so I, I think it's no secret that uh, you like Twilight Imperium. No, no secret at all. <laughs> um, you're doing a, you're working on a project for it now, right? Uh, no. So okay. Oh. So I, I I worded that tweet awkwardly. Okay. Um, so they back in, I want to say May of 2020. Oh, um, so long ago. Who who knows? Know. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Hang on, let me just make sure my cat isn't sleeping on the power button of my laptop. Sure. We are picking up the purrs nicely. Oh, are you? Okay. That's good. <laughs> okay. We'll just, I'll just leave that there. That's right. <laughs> oh, muted oh. again. There we go. Um. I had been friends with a couple of the people at FFG for a while, and I, you know, randomly yelled at their Twitter account, like, get me to write stuff for your games. <laughs> um, so uh, Katrina Ostrander, who's the, the fiction editor at FFG and keeper of the wikis, um, messaged me, emailed me, saying like, hey, Calvin, we're, we're working on some stuff for Twilight Imperium. At the time, it was you know secret, and they were releasing a new expansion for Twilight Imperium. Would you like to write a story for us <clears throat> to accompany um, to accompany like some of the promotional material we're doing for the expansion? Ah, like yeah. And I was like, how do I say yes fast enough? I think that was my actual <laughs> email. Like if I go back and look, it's like, how do I say hell yes in the most professional possible way? Right. Um, was what I replied to. to you just her. reply with the letter Y. Right, if Zork taught no, me no, nothing. No, no, no. I mean, like that was a whole email exchange back. So over the next couple of months, I wrote a story for them, um, and it, yeah, it did come out as part of the promotional materials for the for the Twilight Imperium expansion. Um, I did not do any actual work <clears throat> on the expansion itself. <laughs> oh, okay, that, had, that had all been done before I before I came on board. But what happened was when they announced the expansion. They released like some promo stuff, and my story was part of the promo stuff. Got it. That's still that fun. That, that counts. counts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it counts. It counts. But no, you said like, am I writing something for Twilight Imperium now? The answer is. Ah, I see. Well, that's. I mean, there's a distinction, but I still think that counts. But uh, I like. I, I would like love to, to write more Twilight Imperium stuff in the future. That would be great. <clears throat> So, have you ever played Eclipse? No, no, no. I want to. I want oh, to. okay. Interesting. It's not, so, so with Eclipse, it's like not for lack of desire. I want to try it because I want to see what it does. That's different. But the thing about the thing about Twilight Imperium is kind of like it sort of occupies the same netrunnery space, right? Where you're like, why play any other game that's not netrunner? It's kind of similar with. The <laughs> okay. With Twilight Imperium. Why, if you if you're gonna have one giant 4x space game. You've got this one. Why, why play the rest? I mean, that's not true, because I want to play them all, you know? Sure. Um, like, OK, I mean, I, I made that joke about Netrunner, like, why play any other? And that's, that's <laughs> not true. Like, I want to play them. I want to play them. But if they, if they require like a significant commitment in terms of like money and time, right. then it's significantly less likely that they will get added to my life. I will definitely try the game, you know? If, there's sure. a, if somebody says, like, hey, do you want to play, you know, whatever? card game. I will try it. 
mm-hmm. you know, right. like just just to see what, just to see what it's like. Um, whether I will buy it and own it and you know buy all the packs, that's a completely different story. Right, and then but, spend the time um, to master it too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the you know, so that that space is firmly occupied. In That's my interesting. Life. So I I came from the opposite opposite perspective. I played Eclipse first, and I had a really good time with it. My actually my first game experience ever with it, we were doing kind of a co op thing where somebody who knew how to play the game would teach somebody who is learning. Oh, that's cool. And that was fun. And I was the person learning, and the, you know, the other person was kind of providing guide rails for me. And they I was pushing really hard against them. Um, and this I play games very uh, somewhere between hyper aggressive and super trolly. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here and I'm building up this whole massive fleet and all that stuff, putting one on the side, you know, to protect to protect my my borders um, with somebody who we'd absolutely said that we'll be on the same side of and everything. Don't worry, I've got this side, t- you know, controlled. And as soon as I was in a place where I had absolutely tech, absolute technological dominance over the guy next to me, he was now my empire. You know, welcome to the club. You're in the fold. And the person who was my my mentor plays very diplomatic and passively and was absolutely aghast <laughs> at, at what I had done. And that was a very positive uh, game experience for me. So I've always just enjoyed Eclipse whenever I play these, you know, the star opera board games where I've always looked at Twilight Imperium and been like, that they, looks really fun. They look very similar. They play pretty similar, but the feel is very different, I feel, I think. Yeah. Right? So like uh, Eclipse has its heart, has its roots in Euro games. So it's mm-hmm. much cleaner. It's very Euro gaming. Yeah, it's very clean. Uh, like you can really math out a turn. And I'm sure that once you spend a lot of time with Twilight Imperium, I've I'm I've got maybe like four or five games under my belt. I own third edition, but I haven't really got it. like it's hard to convince people to to sit down for like ten hours, right? In your first yeah. playthrough. So um uh, I managed to do it once in four, like I was saying in chat, but that was with everybody with their head screwed on straight, like, let's go, 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 your turn. Like what you, what are you doing? Plan it out, make it happen. Um so it feels a lot more um like I can sit down to game when I first sat down to Eclipse, like everything made sense and just clicked. Uh, but mm-hmm. with Twilight Imperium, it gave you the sense of like scale and like the floor drops out from underneath you. It's like you're out at a planetarium, you're looking up and you're just like, there's so much stuff to do and think about, right? Like it, it definitely felt uh, very overwhelming and space operatic. And Eclipse was like, okay, this is a Euro game skinned with spaceships and battle cruisers, and I'm ready to go, right? So it was, yeah, it was a different. A different experience for sure. It's I, think it's, it's. I think that's that's possibly why I wouldn't get along with Eclipse, um, because like a, like I was talking about earlier, like the reason I play these games is to express <laughs> myself, through, you know, through the through the game. Like, and if it's very god ready, um, it's less likely that I will that I will like it. Um, but at the same time, at the same time, I do like I do like certain euros, like you know, um, that let me that that have that have cool themes and good mechanics. Um, they just won't end up near the top of like my you know they won't they won't worm their way into my heart the way those other games do. Sure, I think we might need to nudge Kazrak when I a little bit. Uh, <laughs> a, fan, a fantastic job purring directly into the mic, which. Which is adorable. How's this? I moved the microphone. How's that? Oh, that's that perfect. That's better. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the cat cat asthma undertones too. 
talking about board games. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't, I, I, you know, I did not realize that it was that because she's literally lying on my keyboard. Sure. It's funny. Just having, uh, having a nap. No, no worries. It's a cat. <laughs> They're the boss. Yeah, exactly. Such a cat owner. You move the mic instead of moving the cat. Uh, Why would I move the cat? Yeah. She was here first. Yeah, she's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's actually a really, a really good distinction between your games, right? Where uh, Eclipse kind of feels like uh, this is a math game and it's kind of about spaceships. <laughs> but it's really, you know, how do you juggle half a dozen resources um, and math, math, math versus something that might have a little bit more, a little bit more diplomacy and world building involved. So I, I've heard a rumor, uh, and this rumor was from Frank, so if it's incorrect, you can blame him. Um, but I heard you don't care for dice games or games that rely heavily on dice mechanics. Well, okay. So the thing with... We just talked about like why I don't like the land system because mm -hmm. of the variance, right? Sure. So so for me, like dice... Are, okay, variance is important in games because if you have no variance in the game... Um, the, the best player wins every time. Um, so for me, games variance increases accessibility up to mm. a certain point. Then after that, they um, introduce too much chaos for me personally. Yeah. Right. Like so, something like Netrunner, where the variance is yeah, sometimes you just draw the wrong cards in the wrong order, and and you end up losing. Um, to me, is not. It's, yeah, it's a it's an acceptable amount of variance. I mean, it sucks when it happens, but it's a card game, and that's at some point you just have to accept that. You just have to yeah, accept. Yeah, but that. you have control over it too, right? You can Jackson yeah, Howard stuff. You, you can draw, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So you have control over the variance, but and you have you give your players tools for it. So I'm okay with dice if you roll the dice and then you then you have choices what to do with it. So um, you're muted, Adam. By the way, so um, amateur. Yeah, <laughs> this. I think it's called input randomness and output randomness. It's like imagine two games, right? Like let's say Adam and I are playing a game. Uh, we both roll a dice, and whoever rolls the highest number wins. That's not a very interesting game. Right? Mm -hmm. That's that's output randomness. Like you roll the dice, and that's what happens. And this is my, this is my problem with a lot of um, with a lot of um, games game? that use or... yeah games that use dice for combat is okay. that they're all out, they're all output random. Um, an input random game would be let's let's say you know, we both roll a dice and then we use that dice to fuel an action, and depending on what the action is, the other person wins the game or loses the game. Mm. But let's say but so like it's kind of like we're playing rock paper scissors, and if you're and if you roll even, you have to play. You have to. You can't play rock, and if you roll odd, you can't play scissors. Mm -hmm. I see. So it restricts it restricts the decision space, and it so that's input randomness. So the randomness inputs into your decision, and based on that, you you know yeah, it's kind of, it's 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 exactly like you know if we base the game of Netrunner on you just draw the first five cards of your starting hand, you both compare starting hands, you go okay, you win. You know, yeah, right. to actually drawing right. the starting yeah. hand and playing playing out the rest of the game. Right. Um, so, so, 
However, it is sort of how magic works. Like... <laughs> <laughs> it's zing. It's very funny. It's Jeez. Very funny. It's not. It's the um, first. It's the first ten cards that really. <laughs> yeah, but that's it's that's exactly what John's like saying. That's that's basically my problem with magic. So, um, I don't like dice in that sense. I like them because they're dramatic. They can be very dramatic. Um, mm-hmm. If you need the dice to go a certain way, um, I like games that let you ameliorate the effects of the dice. Like you know that if you roll a one, it's really bad. So you like okay. So I will do everything I can in my power to spend resources to make sure that if I roll a one, I can re-roll it. If I roll a one, I can, I can mm-hmm. put a modifier on it. Sure. Um, and games that give you choice, you know, that choice to spend like, okay, if, if I roll a one this turn, it doesn't really matter. But if I roll a one next turn, I lose. So you save your resources to, mm-hmm. to you know, for that, for right, that situation. Right. Um, that's actually, that's a really interesting, a really interesting thought, right? Because then I want to like take, I want to take what you said about input and output randomness and think about um, how that compares in the miniature games that that I particularly love. And the games that I tend to like more give you more agency over what to do to to affect that dice roll mm-hmm. before yeah, you just yeah. go to the dice roll. Yep. Where you know the games that I think anyone here that's played miniature games probably started with Warhammer, where it's just like you roll your bucket of dice at my bucket of dice and we see what happens. And you know, you can start getting into the discussion of like large numbers and stuff like that there, but really what it is, it's the amount of agency you have over the dice before you roll it. And that reduces a lot of this randomness and kind of in a way ends up um bracketing the results. You know, if it's if it's totally random, you know, if you think about um here, here's actually kind of a good example. If you think about like expected outcome from chess matches, mm-hmm. you know, a game where there's where there's no dice, right? No variance, it's gonna be a very linear curve. You know, based on player skill, where when you start having some sort of variance, either dice or decks, you're kind of introducing a bracket around that line to where the, the brackets might reach in a position where a higher skilled player might lose to a lower skilled player through some additional variance. And and some people might gripe at that, but at the same time, it also makes the game interesting and fun. <laughs> and those are I mean, also it, things if, we're aiming if, for. Yeah, so it depends on what you want from the game, right? If you if what you want from the game is to is to arrange players according to skill order, then less variance is better. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you just want people to sit around and have fun together, then more variance can can introduce that, right? Like um, that's part of why I love Netrunner and the reason that how I describe a good game of Netrunner. This is one of my favorite ways to describe it. Is that if if the decks are evenly matched and the players are evenly matched, both players spend the entire like twenty minutes playing Netrunner convinced that they are about to lose the next turn. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Those are uh-huh. those are the best games. Anytime where you feel like like oh. everybody is upset at the table, you know it's a good game. Yeah, like you're just you're taking me back to the last tournament I played. I'm just like. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, but that's that's exactly why it's a good game because that happens often. Yes, that's not a rare occurrence yep. in Netrunner. Um, you you'd be like, I'm just one turn away from losing this. I'm just one turn away from, and both players are thinking, <laughs> yeah, which is which is why which is why it's so good, right? Like it's it's quite rare to have a blowout game in Netrunner. I remember watching, oh, I don't even remember which year it was, but I remember watching the World Finals, the live mm-hmm. stream. And it was literally like the last game of the tournament, right? And it's so it's the finals, finals. Mm-hmm. You know, the the loser, the losers bracket has been has been done. Now we're in the the double elimination winners finals. And 
the corporation player playing NBN loses six points on turn one. Oh, shit. Oh, man. The game goes to seven, okay? So he loses six points on turn one, and 20 minutes later comes within one credit of winning. A short one yeah. credit to support the agenda. Yikes. 20 minutes later. Um, he still lost. But sure. He put a, but considering he was down six points on turn right? one, yeah, he put up right? an incredible I'll, fight. Wow. I'll take that loss. Yeah. That's, like, that's something that's you're a, down in the record books for sure. And the, other, also, the, other, and the other player became world champion. But based, you know, based off of one credit, being mm-hmm. one credit short. To, to like if he had one more credit the cop would have won he didn't have it so the the runner won uh, eventually but yeah that was, it's that awesome back and forth that makes that runner so good to me and this that... this like i said is not is not limited to just the top tier tables of the sure. most competitive players right mm-hmm. like yeah. literally any two people playing get, playing decks that are relatively evenly matched and the both players are like approximately the same skill level and they approximately can be quite wide because of the variance of the game. It's exactly what we're talking about, right? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. sometimes I can be really, really good and just brick on all of my accesses and get absolutely nothing, and you just end up winning the game because you yeah. manage to deter me just long enough to, yeah. Yeah, I keep, I keep pulling the same damn, you know, hedge fund from HQ. And <laughs> you have, right. like, four yeah. agendas in there. <laughs> um, I'm wondering if... If in that game, you know, if you don't have an answer for this, it's totally fine. I wonder if there was an optimization change he could have done, you know, with with total omniscience to get that credit. Like if there was a slight strategic decision he could have made in a way to, you know, instead of this action. I'll... Possibly, but you see, the thing is, right, everything is a trade-off in that mm-hmm. game, right? Like if you gain a credit, then you didn't do something else. Yeah, you didn't like draw a card, you... you didn't do a run, you didn't. Yeah, you didn't do, you did, you didn't do a run, you didn't, you know, protect the, the server with an ice. You didn't. Uh, you didn't um, install yeah. the thing you needed to install. So, is it possible you could have gained the credit? Yes, but is it possible that he, you know, it's it's a thing right? you have to so. make the, you have to make the cost benefit analysis. Like, yes, I can gain this credit, but is gaining this credit the best route to victory right now? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, you have to make. Yeah, you know, like it's it's one in twenty that I draw a card that. That means the credit is meaningful, and it's nineteen and twenty that I draw a card that means the credit is not meaningful. So you play you play the nineteen out of twenty most of the time, right? Unless you absolutely need this hail mary to work to have any chance of victory, then you then you play towards the hail mary, and that's why that's why I like the game. That's why it's so interesting to me. You know, like you have to sometimes you just have to make the the one in a million shot, and sometimes the one in a million shot actually works. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. So what originally what originally suckered you in? Who can you actually blame for getting you into <laughs> Netrunner? My partner. Yeah. So oh. she she got um, she knew I was interested in the game, like because you know I, you know the promotional material had come out of the website and I was like oh, mm-hmm. that looks so good that looks so good and then she was like oh happy anniversary pam Netrunner Corsa. Boom! Right there. There you go. And I remember I remember that night. Um, you know, after 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 she gave it to me, that um, I was so excited I couldn't sleep. It's like it was like being oh a child. Oh my goodness! Yeah. You know, like you can't sleep on Christmas. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had exactly that feeling because because we like, you know, um, I had opened it up, I looked at all of it, but uh, you know, we didn't play it um, because uh, it was late at night. Sure. Yeah. You gotta <laughs> like do to stuff and leave the cards. Yeah. Or whatever. yeah. But uh, we've been playing. We've been playing Netrunner more or less ever since. Um, recently, she hasn't been playing it as much, 
um, but I, um, you know, pandemic. Um, but I yeah. created some <laughs> some some decks with the new Nisei stuff. Um, hopefully, um, when she's in the mood, we'll play it. I've had the decks made for like a week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just we haven't had the, the time or the energy to just like, hey, you want to play some some that right now? Yeah, right, right. Well, that's fantastic. Um, I mean, that's if you're going to get into into a game, that's a pretty damn good reason uh, yeah. because you have because you have a captive opponent. Uh-huh. Captive, <laughs> yes. As if she doesn't thrash me ninety percent of the games we play. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> well, great. So uh, you mentioned COVID. How are you gaming during COVID? Or are you how are, how are you working within that? Have you tried to play online games, or are you just kind of giving board games a break and and reading yeah, and writing? The board, the board game stuff has not really um, been at the fore. Most of my gaming has been online um, and playing video games with my partner. Um, right now, the new Fall Guys season just dropped, and it's like a cyberpunk synthwave future. So, the Fall Guys, Fall Guys is a really fun game if you haven't played it. It's basically like you know those you know those physical, I don't know those Japanese game shows where the contestants are doing weird weird oh, stuff. Oh yeah, sure. Yes, they're amazing. Yeah, exactly. Fall Guys is like that, except it's a video game. So it's like sixty players all running towards oh. you know, the, the the finish line. And there's uh, you know obstacles that knock you off the that knock you off the the course, for like you know, cool fun stuff. Sixty players. Uh, yeah, sounds... it, start, it starts at sixty. Well, okay, so this is like an early looks like an early prototype of the game, but like, you get the you get the aesthetic, right? It's like candy bubblegum. Yeah. If you go to if you go to the official Twitter, you can see like the trailer for the the new season that just dropped. That's like cyberpunk synthwave. Um, you know, retro '90s lasers, aesthetic. Interesting. I mean, with that many people, it, it kind of feels like like you know, like Fortnite in scale, right? Just tons and tons of people. But then, yeah, but the but the race lasts two minutes, and half oh, and like tw- tw- and twenty of you will be gone by the end of it, and then you move on to the next round where it's only forty people. Then the gotcha, next gotcha. round will cut it down to twenty people, and the next round cut it down to ten people, and then yeah. Is this on Switch? I might have to pick this up. <laughs> it's on PS4 and PC, if I'm not mistaken. Play oh. the trailer. Play the it's trailer. On Switch. I, we, we have to oh, avoid playing trailers and stuff that are also on YouTube because then we get in you, trouble. YouTube gets angry at us for just about everything. What? Yeah, okay, right. we've been dinged before. <laughs> okay, all right. Fair enough. <laughs> we've, been, we've been dinged and then had to fight it because I refused to be dinged for, for editorial content. And... But okay, if you want to avoid it, yeah, that makes sense. Um, we also, I also play Netrunner online. Uh, you can play Netrunner online at jinteki.net, J-I-N-T-E-K-I.net. Um, it's an online resource where you can you can just play Netrunner. Um, so I've been playing it with a friend. Uh, this is how this is how I plan to play it with my with my partner because we don't have all of the new Nisei cards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. And there's another there's another site like Jinteki, and I'm totally blanking on this name Ray-techie of it, John. Raytechie.fun, which is similar, except the, it... Yeah, this is the jumpstart format that John was talking about yeah, earlier. It's a, it's a forked copy of the code, but includes the jumpstart engine that generates the uh, auto-generates the deck. Yeah, so, yeah. so jumpstart is basically, it creates AI-generated decks for the two players to play with, and they're apparently really fun. John John says it's fun. I have a friend who plays. He says it's fun. Um, yeah, they're not they're not joke decks. No, not at um, all. They're real. Like yeah, I psycho graphics to victory, 
it, and like there, <laughs> I was I was like set up for it. I was like, oh, all right, I guess this is a real deck. Yeah, it's a it's a they're both real decks, but neither player knows what's in them when you start playing. I, said, I really point? like it. It's... <laughs> so so uh, uh, what what was it? Uh, I forget which card I played. But I thought I was being super clever. There was some card that was like search your deck for you know like a operation or something, right? So I was like, I, I will play this card so I can just like look at my deck, right? But then of course, <laughs> like Ray Techie automated the whole thing was and just like gave me a menu of the operations that I was allowed to see and didn't show me the rest yeah. of the deck. And I was like, well, that I spent all these resources just so I could see what was in here. <laughs> oh, so we'll be sure to include. Yeah. I think we yeah we need to be sure to include links to Reitaki Jinteki yeah, yeah, yeah. and the Nisei project. You can do that uh, for everyone at the show. But so there are ways you can go online right now and play Android for or, or Netrunner for free mm-hmm. uh, and and enjoy it. And if you like it, then you can try to get the the older cards. I think you know many of them are still easily available. It's really that yes. last set. Yeah, they're, they're super to easy to get. But you don't even you don't even need to do that. You can just start on the Nisei stuff. You don't yeah. need to yeah. Actually. I'm. Seriously, eyeballing that Nisei stuff. That looks like a lot of fun. And again, I like supporting fan projects like this. That seems great. Yeah, it would be great if uh, if Nisei like you know managed to to really take off. And I mean, okay, I say that on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's like you know when's the C and D letter coming, right? Like Jesus Christ, fucking Wizards of the Coast. Well, it's it's interesting because this is something I learned. I actually i i made a game for a company I used to work for. Uh, it was a card game. And what I found out was you can't copyright rules. Yeah, you, you can't. Yeah, so unless they are do unless they are using terms and artwork that is copywritten, there's pretty much nothing they can do about it. I mean, other than just litigate them, like here's lawyers, deal with that and tell us we can't do it by spending money, which is a very corporate netrunner way to handle it, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's perfectly in line with it. But you know, the, at the same time, it might not be worth them doing that because a they won't win it, and b it then costs them money and makes them look bad and act in bad faith to the community. Yeah, so. but when has that ever stopped Wizards of the Coast, right, being bad to the community? True. <laughs> that is. That's fair. I'll they're just they're just waiting for when they can tag you and drop a rock on your house. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's the fact. I mean, like, they they just yeah, I just. No respect for this company at all. None. Well, zero. Get it while you can. <laughs> there you go. That's that's the takeaway here. So, uh, last bit before we go, do you have any advice out there for people who are maybe would be rules writers or want to work on their own projects or maybe want to get into the industry? Oh right, yeah. Okay, that's a very big question for. A I know it's huge. What's the very small advice you? Um, the industry is at this point still small enough and approachable enough that if you, you know, stay humble and you ask people nicely, um, that's, that's, you know, what people will have happily lead you to opportunities. Um, if you want to like, because it really depends, also it really depends on what you want to do, right? Like if you mm-hmm. just want to edit rule books, if you want to design your own games, if you want to do graphic design, if you want to do illustration, um, it, it really depends, but basically, you know, you can just ask somebody that you know, just say like, hey, you know, I'm interested in doing this kind of thing. Who can I talk to? Who can I see to, to, to talk about this? And because um, the industry, like I said, is small enough that most of the time um, this will work. 
you know, if you approach somebody, mm-hmm. if you DM them or you add them on Twitter, um, you know, sometimes they won't see it because right, you know, there's a lot of noise. How, it's, just, it's a lot of noise. But you know, if you just try, if if you just try nicely, um, every so often there'll be threads for people to talk about. Like, I mean, I'm talking about Twitter because Twitter is the main thing. You could also just go to like boardgamegeek.com, which is like boardgamegeek.com. If people for if for people who don't know, it's like the IMDB of the board game world. It's a very centralized hub, and mm-hmm. more or less everyone uses it. Um, actually, I would go so far as to say that if you are part of the English-speaking board game industry, you use Board Game Kick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you could try. You could try like looking at BoardGameGeek.com. Um, but you see, the thing is, like for me, it's really difficult to say because you're asking for advice for complete outsiders, and I'm not a complete outsider, so it's very hard for me to like, sure, you know, to, to be in that perspective. Because for me, what I would do. Is I would just like, hey, you know, I would just DM the person I know. Um, sure. And and that's that's I guess I guess that would be my that would be my insight to you, right? Like just find somebody that that you know. Like for example, if you have a board game and like you know you like the designer or you like you know um, the artist who you know, your who drew your favorite magic card, just like find their social media and just talk to them. You know, they're a human being just like you. They're like hearing that people enjoy their work just like you um that's that's basically how i got to know all remember i said earlier like i have friends at ffg that's basically mm-hmm. how i made friends at ffg right they just add them on twitter and say like i like your stuff and, um, <laughs> let's be friends right uh, i mean no i didn't say that part because i know weird. i know <laughs> but, but like you know i would like i make a habit of <clears throat> usually when usually when uh, people announce a product Right, like, or when people talk about a game, they only talk about like the publisher, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, there's this new game from you know AEG or FFG or whatever. Right. I make a habit of like trying to find out who the designer is and the illustrator. I mean, the very minimum, like the designers and the illustrators, right? Like, and then I find out if they're on Twitter and I tag them into any conversations about the game, um, as far as I can I can understand it. Um, so as far as I can remember to do so, because you know, sure. people, if you design a game. I'm sure one of the great joys is being, you know, seeing people playing it and enjoying it, right? Okay, I mean, obviously, I only do this if I say positive things, right? I'm not going to type the design and say, like, why is your game so trash? You know? <laughs> um, but or the artist um, who taught you how to draw a face. Yeah, so if I if I have nothing positive to say, I don't, I just, I don't say it at all. Um, um, if I have to like do some, like. If I have to talk about a game and why I think like some of the some of the elements in it are harmful, like if it's mm-hmm. you know has unthinkingly racist depictions of people, or it's like sure, yeah, then I then I will talk about it. But and, and even then, I usually don't at the designer. I don't tag the designer because a the designer often has nothing to do with the, the way the game is themed or the way the art direction is done, mm-hmm. and you know, um, or may have been shouted down in a meeting or something. Oh, something like that. Yeah. So I try. I try not. I try not to to do that. But like you know, uh, when it's when it's praise, they can go straight to the individual. When it's blamed, it's sort of like collectively the universe can just have at it. Uh, but that's how I that's how I made friends. Yeah, I just started talking to people on Twitter and like you know, um, discussing their work with them and asking them like you know, hey, what's your next thing? You know, do you? And I asked like you know, uh, one of the friends that I made at FFG was like, he released the he designed the Fallout board game. Uh-huh. I was really excited about it, so I just asked him questions about it, and he eventually bought it. And I said, like, hey, what do you think of, like, these these fun little house rules that I did to try and make the game cooperative instead of competitive, you know? So 
um, I, you know, I think it would have been, um, and that's how, that's how I made friends with with Andrew, and uh, that's that's basically it. Like you just do that enough times, and eventually you'll have a bunch of friends, and you can talk to them about stuff and like you know. No, I think that is. I think that's actually really fantastic advice because you you, you might not think of yourself as an outsider, right? But mm -hmm. when it comes to, um, I guess like the the center of the the, the English speaking board game community. Uh, you're not exactly geographically near it, you know. No. Um, no. And so the advice that that you have is actually great because it's it's something that anybody can do. You know, I've I've been fortunate where I I have happened to work at like Games Workshop for high you know for college retail job, and then from that I go to conventions in you know across the U.S. and I can like meet these people and buy them you know find out where they're going after the seminar, buy them a beer, and get to know them that way. And that's you know that's such a in a way, an old-fashioned way of of breaking into the community and meeting people, but it's something that you you can only do if you are geographically able to do that, or you're not even geographically, but you know financially able to do that. You might be you might live near the convention. It doesn't mean you can afford to go to the convention, you know. So yeah. that's uh that's actually really fantastic advice because it is something anybody can do. Yeah, yeah, and um, and like most. Most uh, most of the people in this industry are, like I said, you know, just uh, they just they're just gamers like you and me, right? Um, it's just that they are slightly have slightly different journeys. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, they're, they're, I'm sure they'd be they'd be delighted to hear your thoughts on their on their game, positive ones. Yeah. I must yeah. I must reiterate. Right. Positive. Well, thank you so much. That was that was lovely. Yeah, you're um, welcome. And with that, it, it, it was really well, nice to talk about the runner with people who already know listening to late night war. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's it is fun, right? It, it's yeah, there, it's the the kind of feel that we like to go go for at the podcast is basically like the after the game hangout session. It mm -hmm. tends to happen like that. We miss some game stores, right? That was what. Yeah. What basically spawned this podcast is that John and I would go play a game at our local game store. That would, you know, we'd spend like an hour playing a game, and then we'd spend like three hours hanging out and talking, <laughs> um, either about that game or whatever other game that we're playing at the time. Or it's it just kind of creates that that friendly, um, I don't know, that experience. It was such an important part of the game store for me. Definitely. So. Yeah. Same. All right, well, with that, we can we can properly do the outro now. <laughs> Sorry about that, Calvin. Um, no problem. Yeah, if it's that time, you've all wasted another perfectly good evening listening to Late Night War Games. John, take it away. Yep, so remember to write into mailbag at latenightwargames.com if you have any feedback, questions, or comments, right? So positive things, right, like Calvin just said. <laughs> but if you have critical uh, critical feedback, we're, we're happy to hear that too. Um, just a reminder, Broman Academy is in full swing. Please go check out the missions there. Uh, we're here every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Pacific uh, on Twitch. You will upload everything to YouTube and all your favorite podcast apps. Um, you can also find our shows here with uh, OB doing sculpting on Monday. And then, of course, uh, Tabletop Throwdown with Clint and Tim on various days of the week, uh, mostly uh, Sundays at 9 a.m. Pacific. Um, yeah, if you like what we do, come hang out uh, and uh, donate to us on Patreon and get the opportunity to buy cool stuff. Um, thank you, of course, to all of our Patreon uh, uh, patrons. 
And uh, our sponsor is DreamPod Nine and Mythic Games. Adam, we call them we call them late night war gamers now, right? Oh yes, that's right. Yes, late night war gamers. There yeah. we go. Yeah, there you go. We we have coined the term to use for ourselves. Um, and then yeah, of course, DreamPod Nine, Mythic Games, and now we're officially going to be getting some support here from Corpus Belly themselves. Yay. Be sure to catch us on Facebook, YouTube, and anywhere you get your podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes, just like Rook 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 did. Uh, he was our one and only five-star rating on iTunes. I really appreciate it, Rourke. Uh He's been there since August, so shame on all the rest of you for not giving us five stars there. Or good taste and not be using Apple products. Either way, um, <laughs> if, if, uh, if you like what you do, please go to all these places. Give us all the stars, all the likes, all the hearts, all the rainbows um and go to patreon and give us all the dollars all of that helps us bring you the best content that we possibly can and more importantly inflates my own sense of self-worth which is desperately needed wow. in these times validate <laughs> <laughs> no 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 it's very important it's yeah. very important we joke but this yes. is Val- validation is important i need it well but thank really, you again calvin for you coming all. on uh thank you to frank oh, no, for putting us lovely. in touch thank you so much yeah. And really quickly, actually, before we go, Calvin, we'd like to give you the opportunity. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, my Twitter, twitter.com slash Right. Um, awesome. We'll be there's sure. Also, to... There's also some, like, project. Okay. There's a, there's a secret project that I, that I worked on, like, several months ago, um, and I've been working on for quite some time. Hopefully, they announce it soon. Um, it will be of great interest to everyone listening. Is all I, is all I'm willing to say about it. Um, mm. But a, but it's not announced yet, so I can't talk about it. Okay. Uh, because I would like to have continue to have a job in this industry. And you don't get that by breaking <laughs> yes, NDAs. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, that would well, be excellent. Well, we will wait out... with bated breath for that to happen. Check out the Twitters. We'll be sure to announce whatever it is, whenever it is. Oh yeah, the, mo- the moment the moment it's announced, I will be shouting about nothing else. Yeah. So you can find him i t h a y l a at twitter.com. Yeah, that's right on the screen there. Yep. Perfect. Well. You... Oh yeah, there we go. Just your uh, in the parentheses. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thanks again, and everyone else have a wonderful evening. Take care. Bye, friends. Ah 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 ah. Won't you play games with me? And I like to do everyone. That's what I like to do. That's what I like to do. That's what I really like to do. That's what I really like to do.